Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Tony La Russa went Tony La Russa, and he changed an embarrassing moment for the Twins broadcasters into a much more embarrassing moment for himself. This guy has had plenty of chances to walk back his horrible take about his own players since then. Lots of chances to walk it back. His own guys do not agree with him. Take his own pitcher, Lance Lynn. This is what he said. The more I've played in this game, the more those rules have gone away. Uh, the way I see it is uh, for position players on the mound, there are no rules. Let's get the damn game over with. And if you have a problem with whatever happens, then put a pitcher out there. That is such a great quote. One, because I said it myself earlier, but obviously a guy playing the game is going to have a lot more credibility. But it's so true, and this is the point that I was hammering earlier this week. Quote, if a position player is on the mound, there are no rules. Let's get the damn game over with. And if you have a problem with whatever happened, then put a pitcher out there. I got to admit, I liked it the first time I said it, but this guy's in the game, so... It is a lot more credible. But, man, it's so true. What the hell is La Russa thinking? And that's one of his own guys saying that. So not only is that the right take, but it's having your own players back. But TLR got it all wrong. TLR is not about that. He's about running his own guy in front of a bullet train just to make a point, just to make sure he proves his point. He did it with the Urminator, and he's about to do it with Lance. Check this guy out. La Russa is unbelievable. When TLR heard the comments from Lynn, TLR said, and I quote, Lance has a locker. I have an office. End quote. Um, bam! bam! Roasted! Freaking have some player who I manage in your face, dude, who is supposed to play for me that I'm supposed to be loyal to and have his back. In other words, scoreboard loser, I'm the manager. You're a player. So you can go ahead and shut the hell up. Like right when you think that old kook, Larusa, could not look any worse or make it any worse, he throws that card from the bottom of his deck. The Lance has a locker, but I have an office card. That might be the dumbest, most arrogant thing that guy could say in that situation. Yeah, you're right, Skip. Lance does have a locker. And more importantly, Lance has a clue. You, on the other hand, are even more out of touch than even we thought you were. And that says a hell of a lot, given how oblivious you were when you got hired in the first place and everybody knew it. But then again... Who am I, right? Who am I? I'm just a dude behind a mic. What would I know about the code? What would I know about that sport's unwritten rules? No, what would I know? Let me throw it over to somebody who would know. Let me throw it over to CeCe Sabathia, one of the best pitchers of a generation, a 251-game winner, a six-time All-Star, a World Series champion. I mean, surely if somebody knows the game and somebody knows the code, it would be the dude who pitched for nearly two decades. So what does he think about what TLR is saying? What does he think about TLR? Well, he lets you know on his podcast, R2C2. It's a great name, by the way, R2C2. And my man was coming in hot, red hot. Roll it, Albie. Tony LaRusso is out of touch with the game, cuz. He should not be managing one of the best teams in the American League, period. The fact that Tim Anderson, the, basically the captain of their team, had to go on Instagram and step up for his teammate, like, yeah, the game wasn't over. If you're going to put a position player in there to pitch, guess what? If he's going to lob over the plate, we go tee off. Put a 10-run rule up there, cuz. If y'all don't want to see people get embarrassed and you don't want to see position players pitch and people swing on 3-0 counts and all that then make it a 10-run rule so the game will be over and you don't have these stupid-ass unwritten rules. Holy crap. My man is going ham. He teed off on Tony La Russa like TLR was up there throwing 47-mile-an-hour lobs. 
He turned TLR around and drove him about 9,000 feet. Quote, Tony La Russa is out of touch with the game. He should not be managing one of the best teams in the American League, period. End of quote. That's not me talking. That's CC. He ain't playing, and he ain't done either. Quote, if you're going to put a bleeping position player in there to pitch, guess what? If he's going to lob bleep over the plate, we're going to bleeping tee off. End quote. Big fella, preach. And he was not done. Far from it. Now you got a rookie that's basically been carrying your team these last first six weeks of the season. This guy's been carrying you. And now you don't have a problem with the weird-ass Minnesota Twins throwing behind your one of your biggest hitters? That's just stupid. It's stupid. Period. I'm sorry. Karsten Charles Sabathia Jr., if you need him. And we sure as hell do. But not nearly as much as Tony LaRusa needs him. I mean, he shouldn't need him. But the fact that he's so dumb and so up his own ass on this stuff that he can't listen to reason or logic or his own players tells you a ton. The fact that somebody from the outside, somebody who matters, is lighting this guy up with F-bombs should be a wake-up call for La Russa. Quote, you've got a rookie who has basically been carrying your whole bleeping team these first six weeks of the season. This guy's been carrying you, and now you don't have a problem when the weird-ass Minnesota Twins are throwing behind one of your biggest hitters? That's just bleeping stupid. End quote. Again, that's not me. That's Sabathia saying that. He's right. It is bleeping stupid. And the Minnesota Twins are weird-ass for throwing behind your mean. But not as weird ass as TLR for saying that he was fine with those weird ass twins throwing behind his best player. Like there is so much terrible in that situation from TLR, but that really might be the worst part of it of all, right? Because part of his argument for your mean not hitting that home run was that he did not want to get one of his own guys hurt in retaliation. So then when the twins throw behind your mean, TRL is like, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. I don't want to get one of the other guys hurt, but I'm fine with them getting that guy hurt. Yeah, that makes sense, Tony. This guy's like, okay, man, it's cool. Chuck a rock behind my best hitter to send him a message. Hell, I will do it for you. I will order the code red on my own guy. And CeCe, man, he still was not done. This is terrible. He shouldn't be managing that team. And if you're not going to step up and have your players back, what's the point of being the manager of the White Sox? This stupid as Sorry. Oh, hell yes. Hell yes, Captain. My man is just eviscerating that old kook over there. And every single thing he just said is true. All of it. Quote, he shouldn't be bleeping managing that team. If you're not going to step up and have your players back, what's the point of being the manager of the bleeping White Sox? Bleep is stupid as bleep. Man, drop that bleeping mic, CeCe. 100%, he nailed that. If you're not going to have your guys' backs, much less your best players' back, what is the point of you managing that team? And how much damage do you think he's already done in his own clubhouse? Do you think there's even one guy on that team that agrees with the manager? And this is, isn't this exactly the type of thing that we cautioned against when Jerry Reinsdorf tried to write what he thought was the biggest wrong ever in firing LaRusa like 50 years ago? The fear that the game had long ago passed him by, that he was so out of touch and had no shot at reaching and connecting with today's players, and I'll be damned, that's exactly what happened. We knew something like this would happen. I just didn't expect it to happen this soon, and for this guy to come off the rails that badly this soon, or for it to hit that hard. This old dude is a bleeping train wreck. And here's the insane thing. He's picking this fight with the leading hitter in baseball on the best team in the American League. In other words, for who? For what? In other words, I mean, what are we doing, what are we here? doing here? I mean, really. Like, what are we, what doing? Are we doing here? Like, what am I doing what, here? What am I doing here? Like, what am I here for? 
Like, like, what are you here what for, are we Tony? Doing here? What are we doing here? Like, you got a rookie hitting a hair under 360. You got the best record in the American League. Your fans absolutely love this guy. And you're picking a fight with him in your own clubhouse? Lighting him up out in public? And then refusing to let it go? Hey, Connie Mack, could you be any more out of touch? But Cece, he wasn't just letting it rip on TLR. He also had some thoughts for the Minnesota Twins, too. And he should, because their red asses should not be skating on this just because TLR has got the reddest ass of all. CC was pissed off when it first went down. And then when the Twins threw behind your mean, he said he got, and I love this line, he said he got, quote, re-pissed off. And he had a few thoughts for the Twins and their manager, Rocco Baldelli. I love Rocco Baldelli, but you can't go out and argue that, cuz. You guys yeah. look stupid. You were losing 15 to 4, cuz. Don't put a position player in the pitch if you don't want guys teeing off. Like, get the out of here. It's stupid. And even the Twins getting mad, cuz. Play better. You yeah. guys suck. You three yeah. games under 500. You're supposed to be the best team in the Central. You suck. Sorry. <laughs> Y'all was losing 15 to 4. Like, man, get over it. Like, cuz, I don't know who or what the hell got into CC, but I have never liked this guy more than I do right now. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. That is an incredible statement and a drop that I could see resurfacing on this show for years to come. The Twins, quote, should play better, and they bleeping suck. And you know what else? TLR should manage better because right now he bleeping sucks. And CC suck. Go ahead, Albie. You yeah. guys suck. You yeah. three games under 500. You're supposed to be the best team in the Central. You suck. Sorry. Y'all was losing 15 to four. Like, man, get over it. Like, man, get over it is right. Imagine them losing 15-4 to and putting a catcher on the mound, and then a guy hits a 3-0 bomb off that catcher, and they're pissed because somehow the game has been disrespected. It's like the worst take ever. Cece, my man, don't you change a damn thing. They might suck, but you do not change a damn thing. Right now, you rule. I've always been a Cece fan, but I'm just awed by the way he broke that down. Like, man, get over it. Like, man, you are right, big dog. You are right, big dog. Hey, check this out. Very small changes towards a healthier lifestyle can add up in a big, big way. But maybe you're not sure exactly where to begin. I can tell you where. Grove Collaborative. Introducing Grove Collaborative. Running to the store has been pretty stressful of late, right? There's nothing worse than forgetting something on your list, needing to make multiple trips, Shopping for home essentials should be easy. It should be convenient. And this is exactly where Grove Collaborative comes in. Keeping a clean and healthy home is way more important than it's ever been. Once again, this is where Grove Collaborative comes in. Healthy, plant-based, non-toxic cleaning products which work. I think we all agree on that. But then you ask yourself, where do I start? Who do I trust? Where do I get it? Grove Collaborative. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. It has never been more important to me personally than to make the right choices, to make the right decisions, and that's why I lean on Grove Collaborative. Healthy, plant-based, non-toxic cleaning products which work. Making the switch to natural products has never been easier and for a limited time. When you go to grove.co slash Rome, you will get to choose a free gift with your first order of $30 or more. But you have to use our special code. Write this down, grove.co slash Rome to get your exclusive offer. Once again, that's grove.co slash Rome. We are joined by Rams running back Jake Funk. Jake, it's great to have you on. Jake, how are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Listen, earlier this week you made it official and you signed your Rams contract. I want to get into your journey in a moment, but knowing what you've gone through, and we'll get into it, what was it like for you to put pen to paper and sign that first contract? I mean, it was a dream come true. I mean, it's something that you look forward to and you work your, your entire life for. 
Um, and I'm just very blessed and thankful for the opportunity that the Rams organization has given me. All right. So for people to understand, when we talk about your journey, let's talk about where you started and how you got here. Take me back to when you were growing up. Your father played football at Penn State. Your mother, and I want you to confirm this for me because when I did the research, I thought this must be a misprint or somebody typed something wrong. Was your mom a 22-time, 22-time All-American swimmer? Yes, she was. Um, you know, and she kind of you know, argues with us that she was the best athlete in the whole family. So, you know, you kind of have to give it to her. She's 22-time All-American. Okay, so let's see, right? So your dad played football at Penn State. She was a 22-time All-American. Your grandfather played basketball at Penn State. Your grandmother was one of the first female athletes at Penn State. Your older brother was the captain of the lacrosse team at Ohio State. So who then was the best athlete, and what was it like to grow up in that household? I mean, I would have to say my mom. I mean, she's definitely... You know, I would I would say the best athlete. Um, and then, I mean, just growing up, there was always competition. I mean, athletics was um, kind of the, the staple of, you know, our upbringing. And, I mean, the competition that comes with it and, you know, having to learn early what it takes to be successful in athletics from an on-the-field and off-the-field perspective. Um, so those are, you know, growing up in that environment, I mean, those things were instilled in me at a very young age. We're talking to L.A. Ram, Jake Funk. So, Jake, you played your call your high school ball, I should say, at Damascus High School in Maryland. You were the Gatorade Maryland Player of the Year, the Washington Post All-Metro Offensive Player of the Year. You had a Maryland single-season record of 57 touchdowns in 2015. I'm curious, with a high school career like that, what kind of attention were you getting on the recruiting trail? Um, I mean, it, it was tough. I mean, for me, I came from a small town. Um, and in the DMV area, um, public school, private schools are where a lot of the, the talent goes. Um, and public schools kind of get overlooked at times when it comes to recruiting. So I was a two-star recruit on rivals coming out. Um, had, you know, some mid-major offers. I had, you know, Conference USA schools, Ivy League schools, military academies. Um, but no big schools really wanted me at all, um, especially to play running back. And then I got into my senior year. Um, you know, halfway through my senior year, Maryland came into the picture, and Coach Locksley was the offensive coordinator at the time, um, and they offered me a running back um, when Locksley was able to step up as the interim because the coach got fired. Um, so, really, you know, the recruiting process was kind of a pain for me. I mean, it wasn't easy. Um, I always felt like I could be a running back in a big-time program, but it was, it was kind of hard because everybody said they'd have to take a chance on me to play running back. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it, I was just very thankful that, you know, Coach Loxley gave me an opportunity to play Power 5 football, um, especially at the running back position. So when you talk about Coach Loxley, of course, you're talking about Mike Loxley. And then you get the opportunity, and you know how that is, Jake, right? All it takes oftentimes is just that one guy to believe in you, and he did. Then you share the backfield at Maryland with a number of future NFL backs. What was that experience like? I mean, for me, it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, when you're going through it, um, it's kind of tough. I mean, you're you're in a running back room where, you know, like you said, I had four NFL running backs that all came before me. Um, so I didn't get my first career start until I was a fifth-year senior. Um, and But, you know, looking back at it, I mean, it, it, there were things that I learned in that running back room that will carry on to my NFL career just because I know what the talent and I know what competition is like in that room. Um, and... So, like, you know, I say it all the time, like, I've been in an NFL running back room since I was 18 years old. Hmm. Um, and, the, the, you know, the things that you have to do in order to be successful from um, the minute details on and off the field um, will carry on into my NFL career and, you know, hopefully be able to continue that. Jake Funk joining us. So it sounds like we're talking about some adversity, but the adversity hasn't even happened yet, right? So you're battling for playing time, and then 2018, you suffer a torn ACL against Ohio State. You went from never missing a game or practice ever to suddenly dealing with an ACL injury. What was that like to go through? I mean, it's tough. I mean, you know, like you said, that was my first time ever really being injured. Um, I, you know, never missed a game in high school, played all every game my freshman and sophomore year, and then went into the 2018 season and got hurt. I mean, that was, you know, it was tough. I mean, for me, I had no idea what to expect when it came to an ACL injury. Um, you know, you see it all the time. You see some guys are able to bounce back really well. Some guys aren't. And I mean, you just, you just never know what 
is going to happen. You're kind of in this gray area, right? I'm just very fortunate and blessed to have, you know, a supporting, uh, supporting cast around me that was able to help me out through it. Um, so my older brother was a, is a physical therapist and owns his own company in the DC metropolitan area. He's got four locations opening up his fifth soon. So, um, having him as a resource was something that, um, really helped me when it came to the rehab process from a physical and mental standpoint. Jake Funk, my guest. So that was so critical, except that's not all. I mean, you work your way back, and then in 2019, you partially tear your ACL. You need a second surgery to deal with an infection in your knee. For those who do not know, what kind of a toll did that then take on you? And then what was that recovery process like? I mean, it, it was tough. I mean, so the second time I partially tore it, um, and my surgeon, she was actually the head surgeon for the Baltimore Ravens, um, Dr. Leanne Curl. And she was pretty much told me, she was like, you can, you know, finish out the rest of the year on a, in a brace, but if you have any aspirations to play at the next level, you're going to have to get your ACL redone at some point because um, it wouldn't pass NFL medical protocols. So I bit the bullet and decided, you know, to get it done earlier instead of later, um, just so I could have more time in the rehab process the second time around. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, when you talk about the infection, um, that honestly, in my opinion, was the hardest thing that I've ever dealt with. You know, ACLs, had two ACLs, but the, the infection where you, your whole body just shuts down and you can't function. Um, that was something that I, I've never experienced before. I was on IV antibiotics, um, had a pick line going to my heart for about a month, um, and then I was on oral antibiotics for two weeks after that. Um, and that, to me, was you know the hardest thing that I've ever dealt with. Jake, um, but you know, like I said, you know, going through the you know the second rehab process, um, it was something where you knew what to expect this time around. You knew what milestones you were going to hit at certain points in the rehab process. And, you know, I I was able to come in the second time with a whole new um, head of steam because I knew what was coming. Jake Funk joining us. Maybe so, right? Like you'd been through that part of it before, but the infection sets in. That's really scary. Overall, to go through all of that, what did you learn about yourself along the way? What were your biggest takeaways from those experiences? I mean, I I just learned that one. I mean, life's hard. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, adversity that you're going to go through in life. And I mean, I, the, the, the ones that are able to, you know, get back up whenever they get punched down, um, are, you know, people that ultimately in the long run, um, are able to sustain success. Um, and I mean, that's something that I've learned. And then also, I mean, just to never give up. I mean, there, you know, you have dreams and goals, um, that you have in life and, you know, there are going to be things that get in the way of those. But if, you know, if you're consistent and you, you know, continue to work and you're able to, you know, push through the adversity, anything's possible. Listen, I think it's so well said by you. Life is hard, man. Life is really hard. But then all the good stuff is on the other side of hard. So knowing all of this, how are you going to attack the opportunity that you now have with the Rams? And what do you want the Rams fans to know about their new running back? I mean, the way I'm going to attack it is, I mean, I just appreciate the day. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to go out there and practice every single day and give it, a, give it my all because it got taken away from me for two years. Um, and, you know, one thing that I would say that I, I'd want Rams fans to know is that they're getting, you know, a blue-collar kid who's going to give it everything he has and is going to make plays every opportunity that he gets, whether that's, you know, on the offensive end, whether that's on special teams. I'm a guy who – um, you know, is, is going to take advantage of opportunities because I know that you have to in this industry or else, you know, you're, they're going to get rid of you. You have to be able to take advantage and make plays when the team needs it. Now you nailed that. That is smart. That's a really good approach. Really quickly, you've been taking part in OTAs this week. What has that been like? And it's only been a couple of days, but have you sensed any major difference between college and the NFL yet? I mean, I would just say, you know, the speed of the game. I mean, you know, you're out there at practice and everybody's moving at a very, very different pace. Um, And it's kind of, you know, the same thing from high school to college. It's the speed of the game and, you know, the the mental side of the game, the playbook. I mean, it's, you know, the hardest playbook that I've had to learn um, up front. But, you know, this week helped a lot. Um, Starting to, you know, figure out the X's and O's um, and just, you know, going from there. I mean, it's, 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 you know, and trying to, you know, meet your teammates, get in a locker room and, you know, see how the, you know, the culture is 
and then continuing the culture and, you know, helping this team ultimately win a championship because that's the ultimate goal. It's Small Business Month, and Dell Technologies and Windows are celebrating your unstoppable drive. Save up to 45% on powerful PCs with Windows 10 Pro to work from anywhere and top monitors and docks for the ultimate business setup, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right business tech, server, storage, and cloud solutions at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL for Small Business Month savings. We've come to the part of the program where you're going to want to break out that giant red Sharpie. Have the calendar ready. I am about to reveal the date for Smack Off 27. But before I do so, I just want to stop on that for a minute. 27? Smack Off 27. 20 freaking 7. I mean, that number, yo, 27. I've been floored by the numbers before, but I cannot believe that this event is about to go off for a 27th consecutive year. I hate this game, but I'm going to play this game. Where were you in 1995 when the very first great American smack-off debuted and JT the Brick from San Diego, called in from a stock brokerage firm and ripped the initial crown. Where were you in the year 2000 when Doc Mike became the first ever two-time champ? Where were you when Shawnee the Cablin Asian went back to back to back in 05, 06, 07? Where were you in 2010 when Vic and NoCal officially became Broadway? Where were you in 2014 when Mike and Indy and Chael Sonnen saw that thing in half for the first time and split the title? Where were you when Lef and Laguna came out of nowhere and went household from Chopper buzzing my tower in 2015? Where were you in 2016 when Brad in Corona committed jungle suicide? Hey, finishing up, Jimmy. My daddy always told me if you ain't first, you're last. And I'm 99% sure that with my scheduling conflict, I'm not getting first. And knowing that, Jim, I should probably just get last. So out of respect for the smack-off and my fellow competitors, Chael, Mike, Vic, Steve, Cam. Is there a Cam? I I don't know. All the other lames whose names I can't remember. I will now do the honorable thing by committing smack-off suicide, also known as smack-off harakiri or seppuku which will bring honor to this competition and allow someone else besides me for a change to win the $5,000 this year. I'm going to end my call with a joke that I've written myself. I hope you like it. And, Alvy, get ready to send me to meet my maker. <clears throat> okay, so Najee Davenport, Peppermint Patty, and an uncircumcised Euro walk into a laundromat. Patty turns to Najee and says, hey, does it stink in here to you? The Euro says, no, those are just my turtlenecks. Ah. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Anyway, what's poppin' Twitter? The PIC. The best there ever was. Where were you when this thing turned a quarter century old and watch parties started popping up and popping off all around this fine nation? There are so many times and instances where you don't want to age yourself. This is not one of those times. When I first rolled out the smack off in 1995, I was 30. Can you imagine that? Van Smack, the 30-year-old. Imagine a guy three years younger than Adam Hawk is right now, hosting the first edition of what would go on to become the biggest event and the biggest day in sports talk radio. I am enormously proud of the smack off, not just because of what it is, but because it has gone off every single year without interruption, without pause, even in the most challenging of times. We have never missed a year. Every generation of callers has shaped it and evolved with it. And even though a winning call from 95 sounds nothing like a winning call from 2020, you still have many of the same people who go all the way back with the event, still calling in, still trying to win it. 
And no, it's not that we don't have new people, but that's the longevity. This is the staying power. We do have new callers. We do have new legends. But we have guys that go all the way back. Trapper used to tee off on the likes of Greg the Cockroach. Remember, Trapper competed in 96 and 2020. You want to talk about some bookends. Back then, he'd get off and get over and smash and crack back on Greg the Cockroach. Vaz in Omaha. Last year, he was in the mix with Benny and Wisco, Cal in Vegas, Matt in Van. I mean, damn, how's that for history? How's that for legacy? How's that for longevity? This event means something. And I'm not talking about ratings. I'm not talking about trending on Twitter. Ever since trending became a thing, I'm talking about the undeniable communal sense and tradition of the jungle. This is what the Smack Off represents. 27? 27. Even I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around that number. Every year around this time, the best of the best from the last three decades line up. They take over the show for one entire day. The rest of us, myself included, huddle around the box, the radio, the TV, the streaming cell phone. We all lock in on every single call, every single word. We laugh. We get pissed. We gasp in shock. We keep score. We give real-time feedback. We love it. I mean, zoom out for a second. Take the view from 30,000 feet. I'm talking about a nationally syndicated radio and TV program where the callers take over for an entire day. They talk all sorts of mess and junk to each other. And it works. It doesn't just work. It's freaking awesome. And it has been since 1995. Nearly three decades later, and the smack-off is still landing. It's still relevant. It's still enormously important to all of us in a world where everything is a mindless time suck and scroll. Nothing holds our attention for two seconds, much less the three hours. You best believe I don't take a damn thing for granted, and especially with this event. We're lucky to have it. I'm lucky to have it. Write it down. Here is your date. This year, Smack Off 27. We're running it back again. The 27th year in a row. I mean, I got to take a step back and even take that all in myself. 27 Smack Offs. Man, I am so proud. I'm so grateful, and I am so ready to tell you, Smack Off 27, Friday, June 25th, 2021, June 25th, 2021, a little over a month out, Smack Off season has finally, officially began. Finally. It's freaking on. Smack Off 27. June 25th, 2021, 35 days, 24 shows, including this one. In other words, let's get at it. It is a short season, but that's enough time. That just means it is going to be pure gas, pure gas, including for you, Alvy. Don't be sitting on that promo for three weeks. Get at it, son. I will reintroduce you to the field starting next week with the daily player profiles. Listen, the field's not set. You can still get in. Those who are already in know it, and I'd love to get some RSVPs. If you're a past champ, you have a lifetime exemption, you're in. Hit me up. If you're a mainstay and you haven't won, but you know you're in, hit me up. If you're not in, start calling. Get qualified. Get a golden ticket. You can't win it unless you're in it. If you win it, you get five grand and you're a legend. But you can't get in without an invite. So get up in here, rip your golden ticket, give me a reason to give you a piece of the most precious and coveted real estate in the genre. You want the biggest stage? Earn it. Effing earn it. I'm playing around now. 
I'm not messing around. Nostalgia aside, I'm proud of it. I love it. But nostalgia aside, it's go time. It is now officially smack off season. And a short one at that. Get the hell to it. I gave you a date. Now find yourself a phone. Smack off 27. The tradition continues. Friday, June 25th. Friday, June 25th. Go time. Get at it. Can't wait. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. This time, change up. Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Instead, reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is also a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal. It comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? DJ Reed is my guest. DJ, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing good, Jim. I appreciate the introduction. <laughs> I appreciate having you back, DJ. It's a good introduction because, well, you got a good resume. Listen, when you were on back in December, we talked about your amazing journey. I want to get into that in one second, but what about the offseason? How has it gone for you so far? What have you been up to? Bring me up to date. Yeah, well... The offseason has been going really good, actually. I'm training in L.A. I'm training at JLT. It's in Hollywood. And, you know, we've been, you know, getting getting to it, to say the least. Um, just doing explosive work, you know, running up hills, um, lifting, you know, heavy in the weight room. A lot of explosion work, a lot of linear work. And now I'm starting to get into position work, just focus on, you know, football and playing corner. So um, it's going really well. Now, DJ, that sounds about right. I would expect an answer like that from you. I know you're getting to it. Now, that journey I mentioned, it goes back to the fact that coming out of high school, for those who do not know, you walked on to Fresno State. You went to Cerritos College. You shared that two-bedroom apartment with seven other guys and then being an All-American at Kansas State. And then you come back from a serious injury in the NFL. Knowing all of that, that you went through all of that, how does it feel to be where you are right now? Yeah, man. Well, you know, it's a testimony to, you know, how God is using me as his vessel and just the art of, you know, never giving up will take you a long way. And um, honestly, just looking back at my past, you know, it just gives me confidence. And, you know, I, I just feel really confident because I put the work in and, you know, that's just, you know, that's where the confidence comes from, just putting the work in, um, staying humble, staying hungry and, um, you know, just taking advantage of every opportunity. So, you know, my journey just, you know, resembles confidence and, you know, the art of never giving up. DJ Reed is joining us. And you and I spoke before the Jets game in week 13 last year. We talked about the interception against the 49ers, the fact that you were establishing yourself in Seattle. It's a team and an organization with a really, really strong culture. How would you describe the culture in the Seahawks organization? Yeah, you know, well, it starts with Pete and the culture is just real confident. You know, we're going to do our thing. We're not worried about what the other 31 teams are doing. We're going to stick to our script. And, you know, they actually live by that. You know, we came off a tough loss last year to the New York Giants. And, you know, I thought coming into the week that, you know, people were going to be tight. The coaches were going to be, you know, coaching a little differently. But honestly, you know, it was the same thing. It was the same energy. You know, we went, we did the same thing that we did last week. We prepared the same way and um that that told me a lot because usually especially in this league you know when you come off a loss or losses you know coaches you know start to get up tight they want to change things and I feel like you know that's not the way to go you should stick to what you've been doing to be successful and that's what the Seahawks showed me last year. DJ Reed joining us. You know, you mentioned Pete Carroll. This is something really interesting to me. In December, you were starting on the outside, which is a spot where Carroll has traditionally only used tall cornerbacks, but he loved what you brought to the team. He said, quote, 
DJ is not the tallest guy in the world, but he's a heck of a football player, and he showed that he could find his way to get through it. End of quote. What did it mean to earn that level of respect from him? And what do you make of the fact that this is a guy that really, really likes taller guys on the outside, but he loves you, and you go 5'9 or so? Yeah, well, like when I came in, you know, Pete kind of asked me, um, this was probably about a couple weeks before we were about to play the 49ers. He asked me, um, would I rather play corner or safety? And I told him, corner all day. And I told him, you know, I was an All-American at corner in college, so... You know, I could really play that position at a high level. And he said, okay. He said, with all these injuries, you know, um, I'm going to throw you in there. And then, you know, just for him to have the confidence to to say that, you know, after seeing me practice, um, it meant a lot, you know, because a lot of coaches, you know, coming to the league just labeled me as a slot corner just because I was 5'9". So for him to give me that opportunity, you know, I have the utmost respect for Pete. You know, I wonder, DJ, for instance, in the draft this year, Seattle drafted another DB who's not the tallest guy in the world. And the thinking is maybe you're one of the guys who helped change Pete Carroll's mind about the height of a cornerback. So break it down for me. How much does height really matter when you're out there in coverage? Yeah, I mean, personally, for me, when I'm out there, I don't I don't really like I never thought like a guy was like big when I was guarding him. I just felt like I was even, it was even playing ground, you know, survival of the fittest. Um, who's going to win the down? Like it was never, oh, I'm playing against a guy that's six, three. I got to play differently. Like I always, you know, took pride in, you know, the tough matchups or whoever I'm guarding. It was never like a height on height situation. And um, for them to draft Trey Brown, you know, it meant a lot to me because, you know, they, they broke out of their code, what they, you know, usually been doing for about 10 years since the Pete era. So for them to do that, you know, really showed the confidence that he that he's seen in me and how I played. And um, obviously he's seen similar characteristics to Trey, and they didn't want to pass up on him because of his height. So it's a blessing, bro, to be able to, you know, set that trend. Like, I think – I think it meant a lot to me personally. 100%. DJ, without you, I don't think they approach it like that. DJ Reed is my guest. So last season, he gave you another really high compliment. In fact, one of the highest compliments when he said that you're, quote, one of the guys who reminds me of Doug Baldwin, end of quote. He went on to say that you play with this marvelous attitude that just drives crazy stuff, craziness, end of quote. So what's he talking about in your mind? Like, how would you describe your attitude when you get onto the field? Yeah, I mean, with me, you know, I just want to set the tone. I think that's the biggest thing, and that starts in the beginning of the game. I just want to set the tone. Obviously, I want to do my job, but I want to do my job at the highest level. And, you know, that comes from film study. That comes from the demeanor and how I practice. And that just, you know, gives me confidence to go out there and dominate the person in front of me. And it's really, it's always, for me, it's never been about who I'm playing against. It's always about myself. If if I'm right spiritually, Mentally and physically, I feel like I could dominate anybody that's in front of me. That's just my mindset. And, um, you know, for him to compare me to Doug, that you know, that that's pretty cool because, you know, Doug, I believe, was undrafted. And, you know, the career that he had was, you know, remarkable. Um, one of the best route runners, in my opinion. Um, I played against him um, a year before he retired. And, you know, he's a great football player. DJ, your point about, look, I'm going to be fine as long as I'm right spiritually, mentally, and physically. I mean, in those areas, do you ever fall off? And if so, for how long? And then how do you get back on path? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course I fall off. I'm a human. You know, I I fail every day, you know, in the eyes of God. But, you know, it's God's grace that gets me through everything. But, um, yeah, I definitely, you know, get back on track. And that starts from, you know, meditating. For me personally, you know, reading my Bible and journaling but um yeah i definitely you know could get off track but you know it's just that sense of urgency to to go back to your system and like to stick to my script so i mean i'm definitely not perfect but um i just try to be consistent dj reed is my guest i'm kind of chuckling right now because i'm listening to this and i mean it's very obvious your humility is coming through and you're very calm and you're very poised but let's not confuse this for a lack of fire. For instance, going into that game against Washington, you said you had, quote, a chip on my shoulder forever for real. It's heavy. I came into this game pretty angry, pissed off. I mean, DJ, you never sound pissed off to me. Was that a Washington thing that made you angry and pissed off? Or is this the way you go into every single game? 
I mean, yeah, it's the way I go into every single game. But, you know, when I'm playing against, you know, good receivers, it gets it, you know, cranked up a little more. I just felt like during that week, I just felt a lot of nervous energy from my team, um, particularly the coaches, because we're playing against a good receiver. And um, I didn't like that, so I took it as a challenge, like, I'm going to dominate whoever I'm playing against. And I just went out there and had a great game. We're talking about number 17, Terry McLaurin. I love him, man. I love him. I love his game. I know you're going to be motivated going to every single game. What about that matchup? What did you like about that matchup? And what do you like about his game and respect about his game? I mean, yeah, like when I watched his tape, um, you know, he was catching the ball on a lot of cornerbacks, to be honest. Um, he's fast in and out of his breaks. He's explosive. Um, he's a deep ball threat, so you have to respect the fade ball when you're guarding him. Um, he's a, you know, he's a very good polished receiver. He could catch. So, I mean, he's an all-around good receiver. So, um, I just took the challenge, really. And um, I just told myself, if he beats me, he has to beat me. I'm not going to give him anything. You know, just that's the mindset that I went into the game with. Game respecting game. He's a pro. You're a pro. DJ Reed joining me for a few more moments. I saw a tweet that you had earlier this week that I thought was kind of cool. Quote, I just watched my Juco highlight. I was going crazy. Like, when you look back and you see those highlights from Cerritos College, what do you think? Yeah, I was just watching that a couple of days ago. I mean, honestly, I was kind of surprised how I looked. Um, I thought I was going to look a little rusty, to be honest, compared to now. But, you know, I actually looked pretty good coming on my breaks. Um showing a lot of explosiveness on punt return. And uh, the interceptions I got were pretty cool. I had one pick six. I was just watching it kind of surprised, like, wow, look how far you came. But, um, yeah, it was just a blessing. Like, And I just thought about the season that I just had, and I'm like, man, I'm doing the same things that I was doing in JUCO, like, at the highest level. Like, what a blessing. So, yeah, I just tweeted it. <laughs> I think that's very cool, actually. So what about mindset, finally? like, How would you describe your motivation and drive back then? I mean, you might have been pretty polished, and you might have been making plays, but you're sharing a two-bedroom place with seven other people. Like, What was your motivation and your mindset then, and how different is it now, or maybe has it not changed that much? Yeah, well, my mindset in JUCO was definitely – I definitely had a great mindset because – I just walked on to Fresno State and the coaches gave me my spring evaluation and they told me that they don't see me playing corner here. I'm too small. I'm not fast enough. And, um, like, I would just be a walk-on and probably until my senior year. And then I would probably play special teams and hopefully get a scholarship. That's what they told me. So my mindset was when I went to JUCO, I wanted to prove them wrong. Um, I, wanted to go, I wanted to actually go to a bigger D1 and dominate at that D1 level, in which I did. So my mindset was just like, bro, you have this one opportunity because if you don't make it out of JUCO, then you're going to be, you know, working a regular job. And I didn't want to do that, obviously. So I just put all the marbles on the table. I bet it on myself, took the best care of myself, stretched, um, did the most rehab I could, and, um, you know, focused on my schoolwork, got my AA degree, and was blessed to, you know, get a full scholarship to Kansas State. And it is such a powerful message in that. So leave me with this thought. And I've seen this for a long, long time. It seems to me when somebody tells you you can't do something, it's going to go one of two ways, right? You're going to accept it. You're going to buy it. You're going to believe it. You're going to say they're the authority. They must know. Or you're going to do what you did with it and say, no, 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 you're wrong about me. You don't know me. I'm going to prove you different or prove you wrong. Why is it that when at Fresno State they're telling you you're going to walk on and you're not big enough and you're not good enough and we just don't see you like that, why did you not believe that? And why did you think to yourself, man, they got this all twisted? Yeah, man, I just know that God created me as his masterpiece and in his likeness, and I knew that, you know, I had special talents just coming out of high school. I knew what I could do with the ball, my instincts. I just knew I was a great football player, to be honest, so... I wasn't going to settle for what a coach thought about me, if that makes sense. And you're telling me I'm too small, but I'm, I've seen guys do it at my height. I've seen Brent Grimes do it, so it's possible. And um, kind of what um, when I was back in San Francisco, Robert Sala said, um, you could take control of your life, and if you don't take control of your life, somebody else that you don't really know will write your life for you with their pen. So, I mean, that right there stuck with me. Um, you want to write your own story. So in order to do that, you got to focus on what you could control. 
and then you leave the rest to God. But it, there's a lot you can control. So that's kind of the mindset I have as well. Can't say how much I respect that and how much I accept that. DJ Reed, Seahawks defensive back. Normally, I don't bring somebody back that we did just a few months before, but in your case, with a message like that, with positive energy like that, I'm going to try and get you up in here anytime I can. DJ, great to have you back. Thank you very much, man. Always good to talk to you. That's love, man. Appreciate you, Jim. Cabeza Grande. Como esta? What's cracking? Man, I'm still dying between thirsty Melissa and hungry Rit here, Jim. So. <laughs> Well done, dude. Thirsty Melissa and Hungry Rit. All right, so really quickly, before we get into this weekend, and I'm already kind of behind, but I got to ask you, you know, I want to remind everybody that when we do this, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes you push, sometimes a push is good, and sometimes a push is bad. Our push Wednesday, midweek, Memphis, San Antonio was horrible. You had the Grizz, minus four. I love that pick. I hit it myself. I felt even better when the Grizz were up 21. But then we should have known the Spurs would come back, and they did. Head really quickly. We end up getting a push. That ends in a four-point game. But John Morant, a stud, missed a throw late, or we would have won. What were you thinking when he clanked that throw? Dude, cuss words were flying, man. I mean, you got to be kidding me, Jaw. And the worst thing about it, it was because Bain had just missed his front end like five seconds earlier. And I'm like, all right, save the day here, Jaw. But horrible, horrible ass push, man. Pissed. Horrible, horrible ass push. Pissed. Agree. I mean, Jaw's a stud. A stud mm-hmm. But, man, it's business. It's business. It, we needed that. Is. All right, we got to mm-hmm. shake it off. Let's get right back at it. Grizz v. Golden State tonight to play their way in. Most would agree. Better to have the Warriors in the main tournament than not. But, and they are favored, what's the number you see on this game and how are you playing it? Man, it's a tough one. So Golden State is absolute fire against the spread right now. All spread numbers here. 6-0 and their last six games. 6-0 and on one day's rest. 6-0 and at home against the spread. They covered at the third best rate all season. Andrew Wiggins, again, will have to step up to help Steph Curry. It's a tough matchup for Steph tonight, but he will do Steph things. Um... Look, man, they are so hot. This bubble has to burst at some point, but I'm just thinking it's one more game and against Utah. The spread was at minus four for the Warriors. It has now moved to minus five. I hit the minus four for the Warriors. If I had to, I'd say minus five for Golden State here, Jim, but I would do play-in game here. Wait till that first quarter, second quarter. Hopefully one of these two teams get a double-digit lead and then hit the other team. But if I have to hit, I'm going to do Warriors at minus five. All right, here. I see it working. I hit them at minus four myself, but you've had a lot of success. When you say play-in, you don't mean play-in like the format. You mean in-game betting. You've had yes. a lot of success betting in-game once they tip off. All right, so now we get a look at the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the questions, are they healthy? Will they share the ball? Can they play enough defense to get out of the East? We don't know, but this much we do know. Their opponent, the Celtics, to use a common phrase, You've been known to throw it around. They're playing like ass, and they have been. Seven and a half points you have to give up if you want the Nets. Do you like them that much? Yeah, man, it's uh, worse than straight ass. That's some uh, butthole ball being played in Boston right now outside of Tatum. I'm all over the Nets here, minus the points, and I think they win it all, Jim. Brooklyn's hot against the spread, but like you said, health. These uh, numbers are not good because they have not had all their horses to say right now but from a personnel standpoint Brooklyn should roll here the big three have only played eight games together but the Nets still had the most efficient offense in NBA history which is absolutely insane and it all starts with Harden running the show he will again in game one in Boston even with Jalen Brown this year they haven't been playing good they don't have him Nets minus seven and a half right here all right so let's I I need you to kind of sell down a little bit dude like I really respect your opinion it was one thing to say that they're playing like ass now you're missing make Mixing well, in worse, butthole right? references. Yeah, just, just, yeah you got to yeah. stop. Mm-hmm. Let's just stick to the picks. All right, so Lakers had a really shaky first half, big head, uh, against Golden State. They came back. They finished them off. They're in the main draw. LeBron seemingly shook off the worst injury of his entire career after a foul that wasn't nearly as hard as he made it look. Now they have to turn around, and he's got to come back from the most vicious eye poke ever to go up against the Suns. Now, the amazing thing is, if you like them and you think they're the team to beat, you can get them plus three. Are you going to play that first game? Are you going to play the entire series or both or neither or what? 
Yeah, freaking LeBron. I'm hoping he's uh, only seeing one hoop by Sunday instead of the three because I'm taking his squad in plus three here, Jim, and I'm actually hammering the series odds here on L.A. as well. I got minus 170 for the Lakers to win the entire uh, series. I'm guessing Vogel's lack of adjustments in regular season were now going to be used. I'm hoping at least they will be. If not, maybe Coach Kuzma can get uh, Mark Gasol a little more run out there because it could help. But for Sunday... You know, neither team right now has any trends against the spread to speak of lately. And on the season, the Suns, they were the second-best cover in the entire NBA at home. I just like L.A. here. I like the Lakers' D. I like their size, and there are options with that size. I'll take the Lakers with LeBron and A.D. in the rare underdog plus-three roll. Dude, are you into the mushroom powder? You are speaking clearly. You're not butchering any names. You're talking a lot of junk. You're throwing around a lot of technical terms. Like, you're on it today. What exactly are you on? Give me time. I'll make up for it. All right, I'll make up for it now. Lakers plus three, and you like them in the series at minus 170. Mm-hmm. All right, Head, a couple of great, great jungle teams getting after it. Portland and Denver, I love both these teams. I love that matchup. Game one is tomorrow night. How are you playing that one? I will probably go in-game on that one, too. And, yes, on the series, I hate to piss off Portland women here, Jim, but I am going to hit the Denver Nuggets to win the series. In what basically is essentially even odds, I think they're minus 110 to win the entire city, uh, series. Two of the top eight scoring units here we got in the NBA going at it. Portland's already in playoff mode. They've won 10 of their last 12 games. Dame and CJ will go off with Denver's lack of a shot-blocking presence. But overall, Denver's the better defensive team, and I think they win the series. Many expected these dudes to fold without Murray, but they're not. I'm going Joker, Michael Porter Jr., and Aaron Gordon to prevail Denver minus 110 to win the series. Okay, I can respect that. What I can't respect is the way you wedged in Portland woman. What does she have to do with this, and why do you not want to piss her off? I do not want to piss her off. We could play the call later. Okay. Terrifying. What about, here's something. (laughs) Here's where you've made some money by hitting the majors. PGA Championship is underway. You've done well with the majors. Do you see anybody or anything you like here? Yeah, I do, Jim. I like a couple things here. And how about Karate Kid, Hefty Mickelson, up leading after two rounds of everybody else. But it's helping that there's no domination this far with the field and not being dominant. You could actually get some pretty good odds here. So I'm going to go hit three guys here, not Hefty. I think he'll probably get, uh, you know, crane kick somewhere on the back nine later on. But I'm going to go Victor Hovland. And Brooks Kepka at plus 800 and plus 900, and the defending champ at uh, Colin Morikawa at plus 1400. So all three guys are within striking distance. They're about ready to go out there right now, and you can make some pretty good money right here. It is a long, big-ass course. It's the biggest in major history, but all three of these guys got the game to it, and they're setting up very nicely right now. The trophy itself has a big-ass name to go with that big-ass course. Mm -hmm. Do you know how to pronounce it? No, thank you, sir. Sorry. All right, I thought I would try. (laughs) Listen, dude, you are on a heater. That is some amazing content. Run it all back quickly. For those who did not get it all, who and what do you like this weekend? Do it again. I like Warriors minus four. I'd rather go in game with it, but if you have to hit it at minus five, do it. Nets minus seven and a half. Lakers plus three Sunday and minus 170 on the series. Denver minus 110 to win the series over Portland. And for the PGA Championship, I like three guys. Brooks, Hovland, and Colin Morikawa. All good odds. There it is. Big Head Bets. Follow him on Twitter at Big Head Bets. He is James Kelly, head. Great job, man. Well done. Hey, by Thanks, the way, Jim. going on the way out the door, mm-hmm. any early thoughts on the smack off? Oh, dude, I, I, I'm so geeked after this whole thing. I, we've never, ever had as good as field that we've had the last couple of years. It's old school v. new school v. newest school. There's literally six, seven guys who can win this whole thing. The talent's never been as deep as it is now. I'm, I'm freaking stoked for it. I love it. we got right. a month of prep for this thing, too. At Big Head Bets. Good job. Have a great weekend, head. Thanks, Jim. Follow him on Twitter. Well done. James Kelly at Big Head Bets. Welcome to the jungle. What's going on? My name is Jim Rome. A very good Monday to you. We are coming to you live. Live from Southern California. All right, lots of show to get to you. 
Let's start with the NBA. Sam Cassell for having big cojones. Hell yes to Rudy T. He had been known as the guy who was on the receiving end of one of the horribly regrettable punches. Felt like a scoreboard dropping on his head. He is Dan Wojcicki. If you had to call your shot right now, Dan, who's coming out of the West and who's coming out of the East? Oh, my God. Um, whew. I, I, I know. I wish I had a good answer for you. Tends to excel. You meditating? You meditating is the equivalent of, I'm tired of carrying your ass night in and night out. Is it too much to ask that you stay away for two and a half hours? My man, he's getting it done, Pierre. Appreciate you very much. Thanks so much for your support of hockey, Jim. Jim, I'm telling you right now, it matters so much. Your passion for the sport matters a lot, and we're really grateful. Thanks, Jim. The least funny thing ever. Nobody's looking at that like, oh, yeah, but that was funny, man. Like, what kind of an a-hole does something like that? Bonafide idiot. Sapphire just wants to get on the rug and start humping. Hump each other. I can't control my horny level. He is Ross Tucker. Guess what? Guess what? That was awesome. Nobody else would do the research you and your crew did. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Have you ever been asked to do jury duty? I mean, I'm registered to vote. I get asked all the time. Treat yourself or treat your friends? The answer is yes. If you were to teach a master class, what would the topic be? Hosting a talk show? Anything else? How many should you get in there? And then Pete Harness, it goes walking by, buck naked. I don't know if you ever see Pete Harness. It's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime body. You know what I mean? <laughs> And he's going, has anyone seen my toothbrush? Next thing you know, Harness walks by me and there's a toothbrush hanging out his butt. And I'm like, it's unbelievable. The number one squirrel recipe, squirrel Alfredo. You do the math. You can add the squirrel Alfredo and I'll do the math, all right? Pretty sure I'm going to yak right here. Because he and I are never going to break squirrel. It tastes like squirrel. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. That's weird, man. This squirrel tastes like squirrel. Oh, he loaded up. I was upset because that's not a time to swing 3-0. Tony freaking LaRussa. One thing to have a really bad take. Quite another to run it out there and run your own legend under the team bus. Take, take, take. Dog. Bob Myers joining us. I love the guy. I, I really do. Because people listening, I bet half of them hate him. So the thing is, Bob, since you and I have a really good relationship, I'm going to keep it real with you. I don't like Draymond. <laughs> dude, dude, I love Draymond. Hella dirty, hella crime, hella fat, ugly women. But I digress. To break 2,000 yards or slice two necks. I'm having Nobody runs for 2,000 yards on their own. It's all about the guys up front. Now, slicing a couple of esophagi, that's hard. Especially when I didn't know that there would be two people there. Uh, which would be. I try to drop a one-cheek sneak and my kid, Dad, you farted. Ain't no escaping the beef. The beef stew. If I was your boss, I'd only have two words for you. You're terminated. You're terminated. Wasabi, Romy. Aaron was never motivated by that stinky, diaper-wearing baby. James puts up the break. Oh, it's good. He's literally seeing three uh, three rims out there. I just shot at the middle one. I have so much respect for LeBron. But does anybody really believe that he saw three rims? Does anybody really believe that? Come on. Oh. Dorian Finney-Smith, they tanked those two games in order to play you. Yeah, I mean, if they tanked them two games to play us, then we tanked the last game to play them too. You know how that I'm excuse my name, but we want this matchup just as much as they want it, you know? It is officially smack-off season. Unwar, the worn-out ring in Caleb's wallet, being an onion ring he's saving for later. If he dons a fire hydrant suit, stands super still on a piece of artificial turf. I'm sure that's not the first time you couldn't find your gherkin. Ah. Let's see here. Gherkin, pickled cucumber, Kenny Moore the second. What have you been up to? Ooh, just training content, freaking racing, drawing. Drawing, painting, trying to do it all, to be honest. You guys, can you feel that? It's different. I feel like I'm not in a cave anymore. Defecate into a bedpan. Haters. That's just stupid. It's stupid. Period. Period. I'm sorry. You know, when I'm playing against, you know, good receivers, it gets it, you know, cranked up a little more. The crank. Smack off 27. The tradition continues. Friday, June 25th. Go time. Get at it. Can't wait. Can't wait. He was like, oh, crap, I'm getting me too. I'd better talk about that on my podcast that no one listens to and then write about it on my blog that nobody reads and then put it on my Twitter stories that no one watches. My suggestion is, for myself especially, can you undo, like, those nice blue shirts you wear, like a button or two for us? I mean, we love sports, but we want to see some skin, Jim. You know, skin, sir. Right. Her. What's that? Mmm. The boss's credit card. Thirsty Melissa and Hungry Rich. <laughs>
Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you, man. Did I just say Taco Bell? Turns the tables on Gajetta. Anytime you possibly can, take that mask up during class. Dumb clock. Give me my flash screen. What are you going to ask me? Something positive. The rack attack. La bitch. That means a lot, Jim. I appreciate it. Anytime. Your assistance box, they are awesome. Shooting the Smack off Friday, June 25th. I mean, it's going to be great theater. I know I'm going to be watching. Good night now! Rex lives there. Rex, what's up? Hey, Jim. Um, I'm confused. Where are all the lames hating on Phyllis Nicholson? Look at the scoreboard losers. Second place, 50 years old. Meanwhile, where's Tiger? Hilled up on that morphine drip using that walker with the tennis balls on it to go over and defecate into his bedpan. Haters. Ah! No. You don't like that call. Very like subtle, that. Rex. Not like most of your calls. Where are all the haters? Where are all the haters? Let's go to Charleston, West Virginia. Melissa. Melissa, good to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How you doing, sir? So good. I'm great. It's good to hear your voice. What's going on? Well, thank you. I'm listening to your show here at work, and I started watching it on TV back in November. And I love sports. My favorite team is the Chicago Bears. I love it. You talk about hockey, too. I love the Flyers and the Rangers. Been a longtime fan of both teams. But my suggestion is, for myself especially, as a female clone and for maybe the other clones, can you undo like those nice blue shirts you wear? like a button or two for us. I mean, we love sports, but we want to see some skin, Jim. You're a handsome guy. You've been in the business a long time. You know your stuff. Your assistants back there are awesome also. But, you know, some skin, sir. My gal, Melissa. Uh, rack her, first of all. Some skin, rack sir. Him. Not only am I going to rack that brilliant lady clone, man, I am this close to giving her a golden ticket. Bradley, what's going on, Brad? My man, Jim Rome. How you doing, baby? My man, Brad in Corona, the BIC. I'm doing great now. I'm doing better. What's going on with you? Ah, man, I wanted to be the uh, the first to RSVP to this thing. The smack-off is 27 years old, Jim, which means it's officially now old enough to start getting you up texts from Steve Carbone at 2 in the morning. Steve's not having himself a good year, Jim. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but he basically got me too by some bachelor skanks and I read the whole thing, I did all the research, and I think it pretty much boils down to the fact that Reality Steve is ugly, Jim. Steve, pay attention if you're out there listening to this, because God knows you don't do anything during the day. You know your time in the sun is up when women who are willing to go on television trying to have sex with a dude 20 other women are also trying to have sex with. When those women get offended that you texted them late at night telling them about some horny dream you had... It's time to throw your sexual shoes over that telephone wire, my friend. Your little carbone needs to be retired. Get a hobby. Go play golf. Just stop being so horny, man. Who knows? Your head might finally clear up, and you could actually come up with a viable career path. Rome, the best and most hilarious part about reality Steve getting me tooed was the confusion all of his quote-unquote victims felt when they realize you can't cancel someone who doesn't really have a job. Steve was like, oh, crap, I'm getting me tooed. I'd better talk about that on my podcast that no one listens to and then write about it on my blog that nobody reads and then put it on my Twitter stories that no one watches. Ladies, I hate to disappoint you, but this wasn't even a blip on Steve's radar. What you call unwanted sexual advances, Steve calls just shooting his shots. Anyways, Carbone, you're old, bro. Maybe spend some of that FU reality TV show blogger money you have on getting those bags under your eyes removed and possibly three to 4,000 hair plugs. Either that or get rich, dude. If Bill Gates could still pull strings, Lord knows anything's possible for you with a little more money. Okay, Jimmy, quick ATP here at the end. I know we had a uh, tax filing deadline last week. May I ask whether you reported Leffen Laguna's 2020 Smack-Off Championship as a charitable contribution? Okay, I'll hang up and uh, take your answer off the air. I love you, Jim Rome. I'll talk to you next month. Good night now!